0: The following audio is from First Baptist Pelham in Pelham, Alabama. More information about First Baptist Pelham is available at fbcpelham.org. Thank you ladies, that was beautiful. Take your copy of God's Word please and turn with me to the book of Proverbs, the last chapter, chapter 31. We're going to begin reading with verse 10. When you find that, join me in standing. We're thinking today about heaven's picture of a godly woman. This applies to all women, not just moms, but to all women who know the Lord Jesus Christ. This is in the Old Testament. This was a godly woman under the law, and a godly woman under grace will look much like this. So let's give attention to the reading of the Word of God. Who can find a capable wife? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will not lack anything good. She rewards him with good, not evil, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She arises while it is still night and provides food for her household and portions for her female servants. She evaluates a field and buys it. She plants a vineyard with her earnings. She draws on her strength and reveals that her arms are strong. She sees that her profits are good, and her lamp never goes out at night. She extends her hands to the spinning staff, and her hands hold the spindle. Her hands reach out to the poor, and she extends her hands to the needy. She is not afraid for her household when it snows, for all in her household are doubly clothed. She makes her own bed coverings. Her clothing is fine linen and purple her husband is known at the city gates where he sits among the elders of the land. She makes and sells linen garments. She delivers belts to the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she can laugh at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and loving instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the activities of her household and is never idle. Her sons rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Many women are capable, but you surpass them. All. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Give her the reward of her labor and let her works praise her at the city gates. May God add His blessing to the reading of His Word. You may be seated. You know, I've preached, uh, this will be my 35th Mother's Day sermon at Pelham. I never will forget in 1979, that is the only Sunday, Mother's Day 1979, is the only Sunday in the last 43 years that I wasn't pastor of a church. Uh, We had resigned at Millery, given them a notice, and my last Sunday in Millery was the first Sunday in May. And Mary and I discussed it, and we'd not been to church with our mothers at First Baptist Center Point many years. And so we decided that on that Sunday in 1979, we would go to Center Point and be with our mothers. That was the last time we were ever with our mothers in their church on Mother's Day. They would always come to Pelham. Uh, and visit with us on Mother's Day, uh, mainly because that's where their grandkids were. Not to hear me preach, I can assure you. It was more likely that they were here to play with the grandkids and be with them on Mother's Day. But that was a special Mother's Day. And then on Monday, uh, which I think was May 15th, I began my ministry here. So uh, this week I will celebrate my 35th anniversary and begin my 36th year, but uh, it's only going to be just a week or so. And uh, then I'm going to be stepping down. Now, don't worry. They're going to have somebody here in the pulpit. In fact, uh, I'm kind of scared about coming back. I'm scared that uh, the guy in the pulpit will be so much better than me that when I come back, y'all will throw rocks at me. So I'm gonna, I may kind of sit up there in the balcony and, and, and try to be obscure up there uh, for the first few weeks so I don't get stoned uh, here in my church because y'all have such a better preacher than I am preaching in this pulpit. But if if you're one of those people that mark in your Bible every time I preach on a text, your Bible is going to be heavily marked up on Proverbs 31 because it is the greatest tribute to women I know of anywhere. I don't know of any other tribute in any literature that pays more honor and gives more respect to godly women than Proverbs 31. Now, I learned something this week. I was going back and looking at places, and I had never visited John MacArthur's website, so I did on on this particular passage, and he said this when he preached on this on May 11, 2003, he said, this is not a woman in particular, but a full-length portrait of the ideal woman. Well, I had been preaching on this for years, and I really thought this was a woman. In fact, if you read Proverbs 31, you'll find that these are not the words of Solomon. Now, Solomon didn't steal them. He gave the man he got them from, he gave him credit for it. He said these are the words of King Lemuel. And then he even gives a footnote to that that his mother taught him. So these are the words not of Solomon, but of some king named Lemuel. And they're the words that his mother taught him. Now, the first verses, the first nine verses, are good practical advice from a godly woman. But beginning in verse 10, we have what Dr. MacArthur called a full-length portrait of the ideal woman, what I have chosen to call as heaven's picture of a godly woman. For you know that whether it was King Lemuel's mother or King Lemuel or Solomon that uh, wrote wrote these words down, it was the Holy Spirit that inspired them to be included in the word of God. And so what we have here is heaven's picture of a godly woman. And uh, what we have is the greatest artist in the world, God, drawing a picture of a godly woman. Notice what he says about the godly woman. First of all, he talks about her heart. He says of this woman, she rewards him with good, not evil, all the days of her life. Now, let me tell you why that is important. That indicates that she has a transformed heart. You see, every one of us is born with a very severe heart problem. And that problem is called sin. And there's only one cure for sin. And there's only one doctor for sin. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now this woman lived before Jesus came. She would have been known as a God-fearing woman. She knew that somehow, some way in the future, God was going to bring salvation to the earth. And so she trusted in the God of the Old Testament, Jehovah God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, And she said, someday there'll be a redeemer who'll come. And the prophet said, that redeemer will change our hearts. Well, this woman had such a relationship with God in the Old Testament, it had changed her heart because it said she rewards him with good, not evil, all the days of her life. Her heart had been changed because of her relationship to God. But then notice her honor. It says, strength and honor are her clothing, and she can laugh at the time to come. As the artist begins to decide what kind of clothing this ideal godly woman is going to have, he talks about clothing her in honor. And I told Dr. Westmoreland, uh, many of you who have been here before know that when you see the American College Dictionary 1966, you know that that is the first book I ever bought at Sanford University. I went and got uh, the list of books for my English teacher and I told my English teacher, I- I've got a paperback dictionary I had in high school, and I said, I brought that. He said, son, I saw your English proficiency scores. You go get the best dictionary in the bookstore and you live with it. And I took his advice, Dr. Westmoreland. I have lived with that dictionary uh, since 1966, you say, don't you want a more updated dictionary? No. Uh, because uh, if it's not in there, I don't need it. I just want you to know that. It had all the stuff I needed to get through Sanford, and I think it's got everything I need. But there's an interesting thing about it. I love the definitions in that dictionary. Honor is a noun. It means high public esteem, fame, glory. An example is a role of honor. It means credit or reputation for behavior that is becoming or worthy, a source of credit or distinction, high respect as for worth, merit, or rank. That's from the American College Dictionary, 1966. For you see, this woman wears her honor as clothing. In other words, when people see her, they know she is a woman of honor. Now, if you're a person of honor, you don't have to go around carrying a sign saying, I'm a person of honor. This woman's life was such a life that people said, this woman is a woman deserving of honor. And then notice the Bible talks about her hands in the picture. It says she selects wool and flax and works with willing hands. And then it says she extends her hands to the spinning staff and her hands hold the spindle. Now let me paint you a picture. This is a, this is a woman weaving and she is using her feet to turn the wheel and she's weaving the, the thread. And then she's taking that thread and she's making thing with it, things with it. This woman is the first multitasker, all right? If you multitask, you don't have anything on this lady at all. But I want you young people to notice this. Even though she's a multitasker, she did not text and drive, all right? Uh, we know she did not text and drive, first of all, because she didn't have a cell phone. And secondly, because she couldn't drive uh, unless it was a chariot. But uh, she was a multitasker. Learn, learn how to use your hands. But then also, she used her hands for helping people. Her hands reach out to the poor. And she extends her hands to the needy. She exemplified in the Old Testament what Jesus taught in the New Testament. Paul reminded us of that forgotten beatitude when in Acts 20:35, he says, Remember the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. But then notice the Bible talks about her head as well. It says, she evaluates a field and buys it. She plants a vineyard with her earning. And it says, she opens her mouth with wisdom and loving instruction is on her tongue. Now, you know, a lot of people say, well, you have to be a stay-at-home mom. They have not read Proverbs 31. Now, by the way, all this acclamation for me retiring, my wife's also retiring. They're having a little reception for her tomorrow afternoon at Green Valley Elementary School from 3 to 4.30. Now, back when our children... Uh, she stayed in the home while our children were young. She taught private piano lessons in our home while our children were young. And then as the children got older and uh, we were having a hard time getting insurance that would cover the things. When you have two boys and they play sports, they're going to get injured. And those bills come in when they get injured and you have to pay the bills. And our insurance was not very good. And I talked to Mary and she said, look, I'll go back to school, and I'll get my master's degree, and I'll get a certificate in education, and I'll, I'll become a, a public school music teacher. I love music. I love children. I'll be paid by the government to do what I love to do. I said, good idea, uh, because I don't know of any way I can get good insurance through my job. Uh, they're very selective in who they take, and the, and the benefits are very poor, so she did exactly that. She started working outside of her home, but let me tell you this. Her heart was always in the home. Even when she was teaching school, her heart was in the home. Uh, Our children were older. They were teenagers when she left to go to work outside the home. But this woman worked outside the home. If you work outside the home, don't hang your head and say, I'm a failure as a mother. I work outside the home. This woman did that. She used her hands, and she used her head. Uh, When I was a young boy, uh, there was a show on television called I Love Lucy. And that was the most popular show on television. I mean, in those days, everybody said, on Monday night, I'm going to be at home because I love Lucy's coming on. And we couldn't wait to see what Lucy was going to get into. Do you remember why Lucy got into so many bad situations? Because Lucy, and again, I'm trying to be kind here. Lucy was a few bricks shy of a load, if you know what I mean. That's why we watched it. And and we all thought that was hilarious. I mean, I remember her stomping grapes, and I remember her drinking Vita Vegemin that had about 98% alcohol, and by about the third or fourth dose, she was soused. And and I remember all those things. I remember laughing at those things. But you know what made Lucy appear? Kind of like she was not very intelligent. Can I tell you that Lucille Ball was one of the most intelligent women that ever lived? She knew how to play that part. But she and her husband, even though they didn't make it in marriage, their company, Lou, became one of the most profitable companies in the American business world and sold it for millions and millions of dollars later on. She had it in her head. Ladies, don't be ashamed of your knowledge. Don't be ashamed of your learning. This woman used her head in the right way. But then notice her hope. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. I love this. Her sons rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. And this begins with who can find a capable wife. She is far more precious than jewels. Give her the reward of her labor and let her works praise her at the city gates. Now, do you remember what her husband did while she was doing all this work? I want to remind you ladies, this is the job of the husband. And when I retire, this is going to be my job. Mary has already got a piano student signed up for this summer. And so I'm going to encourage her to get more of them. And I'm going to sit at the gates of the city of Pelham. And as she goes in and out teaching piano students, I'm going to say, look at that woman. Isn't that a virtuous woman? My, my, my. She is worth far more than rubies. And I'm going to do what this woman's husband did. I'm going to sit in the gates of the city and brag on my... That's exactly what that means there. It said her husband sits in the city gates and she's praising the city gates. Who's doing the praising? Her husband. Now I want to tell you, man, if you've got a good wife and, and she's a hard worker and she has been a good mother, you need to let her know that. You need to praise her. I remember when I was pastor at Millery Baptist Church, I had a guy in my church. His wife told me she, he, he had never thanked her for one meal, and they had been married for over 20 years. And so I preached a sermon on Mother's Day about being grateful for all that your wife did for you. And she invited me to her home for lunch that day, and I went with a dual purpose. I went, first of all, to eat. But I also went, secondly, to lay a trap for that rascal. After we got through eating, and by the way, he was a wild turkey hunter, and he had killed his limited wild turkeys that year, and we had fried wild turkey breast and gravy with homemade mashed potatoes and all kinds of salads, and she had made a big strawberry cake for dessert. I mean, man, I couldn't wait to get to dessert. I was My mouth was watering just looking at that strawberry pie. When we got through, I had talked to all of his children, and Mary and I were in on it. And I said, Jean. that's one of the best meals I've ever had. Thank you very much. And Mary said, you know, Mike's right. This is one of the best meals I've ever had. Thank you, Jean." We went around her table. Every child at that table said, Mama, that was good. Thank you. And came around to her husband. He is sitting there like a knot on a log. You said, what did you do? I said, now you know this is Alabama. The guy's name was Bobo. I said, Bobo? What did you think about that meal? You know what Bobo said? He said, it's all right. I wanted to slap him myself. I said, Bobo, did you not hear all of us tell Imogene thank you for that delicious meal? Yeah, well, I feared if y'all thanked her, she didn't need me to thank her. That proved that some men are thick as a brick. He finally, after we harassed him for about 10 minutes, said, thank you very much for that good meal. Now, the sad thing about that was it took us about 10 more minutes rationing before he said it. Listen, don't be hesitant to thank people for what they do and for what they mean to you. Because there will come a day when you may not be able to thank them. I'd love to thank my mama today for all the time she took care of me. Dr. Westmoreland, from the time I was born, my mother said, you're going to have a college education. There was a time in my life when I wanted to be a cowboy. I wanted to ride the range. I wanted to wear a six-shooter. I wanted to herd cattle. I wanted to brand cattle. I wanted to be a cowboy. You know what my mama told me? She said, son, if you want to be a cowboy, you can be a cowboy, but you're going to be a cowboy with a college degree. My mama taught me that. You know what? By the time I was in kindergarten, it was determined. I was going to have a college degree. And there were times at Sanford when I struggled because college was hard. It wasn't. I breezed through high school. When I got to Sanford, it was tough. And I thank God for the professors at Sanford that helped me learn to study because I could have never fulfilled. But I know that day I walked across Cybert Gym and took my Sanford diploma from Dr. Wright. I looked up. And my little mama was crying because she had told her son, son, you're going to get a college degree. You see, I'm thankful that she had enough confidence in me that she said, you're going to make something of yourself. You're going to be something. You're going to get a college You say, I don't have a college degree. Well, don't worry about that. You don't have to have a college degree to be a godly person. But I want to tell you, we need more people to encourage us like my mom encouraged me. You're going to get that college degree. You're going to to do something with your life. That's what a good mother does. Now, there's a beautiful Hebrew word picture in verse 28, and I have missed it all these years. This week, I saw it for the very first time. When it says her sons and the King James, it says her children rise up and call her blessed. I always had the picture like uh, at a ball game and somebody, Brother Phil, scores a winning basket, and you, you jump up and you cheer. Or when somebody kicks a field goal and you jump up and you cheer. I always thought it was like that, man. It was so exciting. Yay, Mom! Yay, go, way to go, way to go, way to go, Mom. It's not that at all. You know what this is? This is not a sporting picture, it's an agricultural picture. It's a picture of a mother whose life is so fruitful that her children are like little seedlings that come up. And what does that mama do? That mama watches that seedling. And she makes sure that it's not in rocky soil. She makes sure that it gets water. She makes sure that it gets sunshine. She makes sure that that little seedling has every chance to live. And when that little seedling grows up, it rises up. It literally rises up. That's the word, rise up, grow up. What this means is that a mother's reward as a godly woman is watching her children, boys and girls, Grow up into be being godly people. That's what it means to rise up and call her blessed. Now, you ought to praise her. The Bible says you ought to praise her. Give her credit for what she's done. But it also says the best way you praise your mama is by being a godly person yourself. That's what it means. Her children rise up. They grow up like plants. Have you done that for your mama? Are you a godly person? Are there things in your life that shouldn't be there? Maybe there are things you need to do. Some of you need to be saved. Some of you need to give your heart to Christ today. You say, on Mother's Day, I can't think of a better way to please your mama than give your heart. And you say, what if my mom's not a Christian? Listen, if she knew what Christian moms knew, she'd want you to be a Christian. Best thing you can do, give your heart to God on Mother's Day. Some of you have given your heart to God and never been baptized. Some of you never joined the church. Some of you had lived for God and you have kind of backslidden and now you're not and, You say, well, if mom looked at me now, I hadn't risen up very much. I've I've kind of wilted now. But I want to tell you, God is the master husbandman. God can come in and restore life to a dead stump if he wants to. And God can raise your life up again. Her children rise up like plants. And they grow and they reproduce. And that's the best thing you can do for a godly woman. Emulate all the good things that she did. And praise God, because that's what she did. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this text. Thank you for allowing me to see the last Mother's Day message I'll ever preach as a pastor, that rising up doesn't just mean standing up and saying, thank you, Mom. It means growing up and being a godly person ourselves. And Father, I pray that if there are those here today that need to make a decision, Lord, some need to be saved. Some have been saved, but they've never been baptized. Lord, maybe some have been saved and baptized, but they're not actively following the Lord Jesus. They need to be discipled. Lord, I pray that whatever spiritual decision they need to make, they'll make, first of all, because you're leading them by the Holy Spirit to make it. And then secondly, Lord, I can't think of a better way to honor our mothers than to make that decision on Mother's Day that my mother had a profound influence in my life. My mother helped me to become the person God wanted me to be, and I want to do a better job of that. I want to honor her. I'm living a godly life myself. Father, I pray now that there are those that need a church home who need to come by letter, by statement. Father, there may be some that just need to come to the altar. Lord, there may be some that want to come and just thank you for their mom or whatever they need to do as we give this invitation. I pray that they'll do that for Jesus' sake. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information about First Baptist Pelham and other free resources like this one, log on to fbcpelham.org.